Welcome to the Practice Podcast, conversations probing the nature of practice. I'm your host, Dave Piron. Well, folks, both Scott Allen and I are many things in life. Thank goodness. We live a very interesting life. But what drew us together in recent time was that we're both podcasters. Now, when I started out being a podcaster with Peter, for Peter Vale so that we could capture Peter Vale's thoughts while he, while he was uh, still up and about in regarding to uh, talking about his, uh, practice, I, I think there were only a few of I only knew a few podcasters in the world and, and relative to now, and I didn't know any other academics who were podcasting. So somewhat later, I discovered Scott's work through LinkedIn and we reconnected. We'd known each other through the uh, Organization Behavior Teaching Society and Eastern Academy. At least we knew of each other, and but uh, we found this common interest called podcasting, and so I thought it would be fun for Scott and me to address this question, since Scott's been addressing leadership and I've been seeking the nature of practice through conversation. What has changed? in our lives and how have we changed as human beings? So Scott, welcome. Thank you, sir. It's so good to be with you. So good to be with you. And yes, uh, we have this mutual love for this project that we've discovered. (laughs) Yeah, it is a project. (laughs) It continually takes us out into uncertainty, which is the nature of a project. (laughs) That is true. That is true. Yeah. Well, it's a pleasure to be with you. I'm looking forward to the conversation. Have you felt change in Scott Allen over these months that you've been following? You're up to almost 200 episodes and so on. Yes, yes. I think I'm probably at about, you know, in the can, so to speak, about 170. Yeah. And, you know, in in preparation for this conversation, it's... It's allowed me some opportunity to reflect and and it has changed me. It's changed me. I think I have written down in front of me five distinct ways that that I am a different individual than maybe I was two years ago, roughly almost. Well, maybe it's almost three years ago now that we started. Yeah. But yes, I mean, it, it has been so much fun. And I think that's primarily it has helped me it probably the most important thing dave that that i think i've landed on is i have just this love this this love for the word curiosity and it has fueled my curiosity it's fueled it in a really really cool way in a really nice medium and i'm learning and i'm learning from experts from around the world but it's so amazing. And, and you might feel this way too. I have the conversation and sometimes, of course, I remember the conversation, but I don't remember the details of it always. And then I listen back and it kind of solidifies in my mind. 
and I edit. And so sometimes people have said, well, why are you spending so much time? Because it, it's, you know, an episode's four hours, roughly. But Easily it's four hours. It. Yeah. Do Lining it up too and getting the person in place. And you can <laughs> yes. throw a, a couple more hours in there too. You know, exactly. so it's, a, it's a day. <laughs> it's, you know, it's sometimes just even the time zone conversions. I'm recording oh, tomorrow yeah. night with a couple of folks in New Zealand. And, and so professors there, we're going to talk about Jacinda Ardern mm. and, and, and kind of her stepping down and what she's experienced as a leader, just the horrible, horrible experiences, the abuse that she's experienced online. But yes, just even sometimes figure out the time zones. <laughs> That's mm -hmm. a good 20 minutes. Mm -hmm. <laughs> but, you know, I think ultimately, and I can go into the detail of some of these other oh, things, yeah. but uh, you are a curious individual as well. And yeah. I mean, does it fill that cup, that curiosity cup for you as well? Never full, never full. <laughs> uh, it, it is. Uh, well, it started me teaching before I was even legally able to teach. I taught, started teaching swimming when I was 11 or 12 wow. in the YMCA. And, and you're not supposed to be teaching in quotes, supposed to be, until at least you're you know, 15 or 16. But I was more fascinated with the process of getting kids off the wall, as we called it, mm. out of utter fear of the water and into the water and acclimated. And it it just meant a lot to me to be part of getting them off the wall. Yes. But it was no one kid who did it exactly like another yeah so even back then as i recall and i'd go hmm i wonder why i could get you know bobby you know come on in the water bobby and he'll come over and jump in and then bill would be pasted into the wall and you know with arms out refusing to move we're talking about four or five year old kids and so that that started then and so it's been a long time that i have had the same curiosity as a teacher and, and, and as an investigator, I guess. Uh, why are people so different, yet it looks on the surface like they're the same? And, uh, and, and the other half of that curiosity is what moves one? What does an external influencer like myself do? What did I do and say that moved one and not the other. Dave. So it was a constant adjusting uh, of the relationship is even if it was only a, a temporary relationship to stay with that person so that I could get beyond the first fearful reaction and get to know them more wholly as, you know, a really interesting person. So that takes me immediately to podcasting. Well, your, your story right now, we have another thing in common, although it's not swimming, it's diving. And so, oh, well, that one, I couldn't get people off the board, <laughs> <laughs> Well, you know, but that's what, that's so fascinating because I was a diver my whole high school career. Oh, I didn't and know that. Then I coached throughout college. So I coached a local high school team and your story resonates with me because yes, I had 13 young women on the diving team, seventh through 12th grade. 
And for some of them, I just, you know, I figured out that I just had to kind of let them be on their own for the whole meet or mm -hmm. for others that just had to only be positive. Like you're going to do great. <laughs> yeah. You can do this yeah. for others. It was very factual. Think about this, this, and this. Mm -hmm. uh, and for others, I could be pretty blunt. I could say, look, you're in second place. We need eights. And that's what we need on this dive. And you can do it. You have it in you. But I would, so you are exactly right. There was a little bit of a different recipe that worked for each one of those. And, mm -hmm. and I viewed my role as adapting to what it was they needed. Now, yeah. did I always succeed at that? No. Did I fail? Yes. It took time to better understand them and actually talk with them about what they felt they needed. Yeah. But yes, everyone was a different little puzzle. <laughs> well, let's together, let's look at um, what you were asking your divers and I was asking my free swimmers to do. It yes. was to get into a totally different uh environment than on land or on board mm -hmm. even the divers knew that well they knew the pool well they could never know for sure if the last flip was going to be smooth and in like a knife yes or whack and hurt like <laughs> hell yes and there's no certainty there and there was no. no certainty as if all right if i get off this wall and get in that water and and look they're putting their faces in the water that's horrifying yes uh, so it was it was a moving people um toward a point of courage yes that's what i'm hearing what you're saying too yes particularly yes. the one who had to get the eight you know that the, how do they amp up that that courageousness long enough to go ahead and release themselves <laughs> yes. from that fear. And uh, it's, it's, and I do think that does bring us to the question of how we've changed and not changed. If you and I, by huge coincidence, learned a lot about teaching, coaching in a swimming pool. Mm -hmm. And here we are a number of years later. So that part of us that believes that we can, can not necessarily convince someone else to release themselves from their fear, but at least are sensitive to the differences in how people do that. So we're not putting out blanket uh, influences to try to get people to move ahead. Yes. Uh, then maybe that's also why, along with that early curiosity about teaching swimming, is I really gravitated to the question of leadership because I was at the YMCA yes. and that's what I was going uh, by the time I was in high school. That's what I wanted to do for a career because we had a big thrust about leadership. Mm. We were teaching about it. We were talking about it all the time. Why camping was leadership, leadership, leadership. I heard the word thousands of times before I even got into college. And of course became <laughs> a, so a sociology major to get to, to, to have more context for it, I still honestly, and I've listened to several, uh, more than several of your podcast. I think that's another one of those ephemeral things. We we think we know leadership. Hmm. We can pin it down. We can write a paragraph. We can even write a book about it, <laughs> as many fine people have. And yet, there's something about it that's still just a little bit beyond. It's sort of mm -hmm. like being looking at the end of the diving board. You know, yeah. we, we got concreteness all the way to the end of that board. 
And then there's this other atmosphere that we have to leave the board to get into. And therefore, I'll not torture this analogy much longer. Uh, we do have an experience of leadership. Mm -hmm. And so that gives us more of a clue as to the nature of leadership. Well, I think a fundamental attribute of effective anyone who's in a position of authority. Okay. So that could be a parent. It could be a coach. I think it could be a, a minister, a pastor, a priest, rabbi, mm -hmm. a person of faith. It could be an individual who's an educator. I think that what Heifetz would call adaptive nature or the agile nature of us having flexibility as the context shifts, I think that's one of the core lessons that, again, for some reason, I had the awareness that I needed to do different things with these 13 different young women, that different things worked for each of them. And I was curious. Again, some people love Sudoku. Some people love Wordle. The, uh, I love the puzzle of people. And, and my undergrad yeah. was not business. My undergrad was marriage and family therapy. Yeah. It was family social science. And so small group systems, mm -hmm. what creates a healthy small group system? And of course, there's a number of wonderful parallels then to teams and to leadership. Sure. But you and I were speaking earlier, being adaptive as a parent is incredibly important because yeah. what worked three weeks ago doesn't work now. So there's an improv. And are you ah. expecting everyone? I have colleagues and have had colleagues who expect every Gen Z or every millennial to adapt to their style. Well, their <laughs> style puts people to sleep. <laughs> and, and, and now I think we're talking about why you and I are podcasters. <laughs> yes. And I can tell you that uh, in all the years that I, in the collegiate setting, from the very first hour of the very course I started on organization behavior when I was a doctoral student at UConn, I've never, ever taught the same way twice, mm. day after day. No. no. No, that doesn't mean I'm throwing one thing away and starting over. I mean, every time I, every lesson, even if I'd done it, well, after a while, I taught the same course a few times. I couldn't do it. I could not take a boilerplate approach no. to teaching no. because that would lock me in. Yes. And that's what I was afraid of. I would lock myself in to routine, to comfort of knowing that, well, at least if I say and do this, it's going to have this effect. I like to be, um, I my curiosity yes. kept me trying new stuff. Yes. which then drew me into the very early days of experiential teaching and learning and with Peter Vale being one of the great influences of that. But I sought out people within the Eastern Academy of Management and we formed the experiential learning association. Why was that such an attraction to me? Because I got to do fresh stuff, bring fresh stuff, new exercises, yes. new outlooks, and that, and that uh, fulfilled me. Uh, yep. 
but not quite enough. See, that's the problem. Mm -hmm. All those years, I would try all that stuff. Uh, and honestly, it wasn't just for my own enlightenment and amusement. I felt that it was good for people to help them free themselves to uh, try something new, to think something in a different way. And even read the same paragraph of a, of a definition, like what is leadership, and then come at it 16 different ways. Yeah. Not to upset them, but to show them that the fun that I had with ideas and people with ideas would could be a great part of their career, too. And to your point about adaptivity, necessary. Yes. In the world that I anticipated, even in the 60s, being part of that wild and woolly time of the 60s, I knew that things were not going to stay the same. Yeah. There's just no way. Yep. So uh, many of the sort of rigors of uh, what we were taught about management uh, from the standpoint of Taylor and all those folks, uh, I was quite convinced that uh, those so-called rules or principles or laws weren't going to last very long no. and, and have been challenged crazily. So, yeah. That whole feeling of, of, well, let's see, I've done that. What about this? Now, is that you too? Because I think it is. Hundred percent, hundred percent. And and I cannot. I can honestly say I've never taught the same course twice. And and there's so there's the the learning that comes from the students. Uh, you know, obviously I'm paying close attention to what's happening in the room and I'm paying close attention to the results I'm getting back, mm -hmm. whether it's on exams or more experiential oriented exams. I'm paying close attention to what's coming back in the paper that I had assigned. And is it what I'm looking for or is it wildly off? What do I need to own in that miss? Right. Mm -hmm. If I'm getting a paper back that everyone's missing the mark. Well, obviously I have something to own in that, that I wasn't clear enough in a certain way of mm -hmm. what I was hoping to achieve. But then my, my secret sauce. And again, I'm not perfect at this, but every semester I ask the students, okay, what went well? What should I do more of? What did you dislike? What should I do less of? What should I consider mm -hmm. in the future? And I get all kinds of great feedback. And if at the end, the students are saying, oh, I couldn't stand the textbook and this was awesome, but I hated that. Well, I know I'm creating an environment where they feel like they can give me feedback. There you go. And then that, that feedback informs the next iteration. And yep. that feedback keeps me on the cutting edge of what's energizing them and what's not energizing them. So for yep. instance, when I started the podcast, I, it was in part, at least what I told myself at the time was, well, we're going to be online for a while. Why not add this into the arsenal, so to speak, of different methods to convey information? So if I've had a conversation with Barbara Kellerman or Ron Riggio or Dave, <laughs> I can weave that into some of what we're doing in preparation for class or some of the homework and that became part of, of the, but then part of the arsenal, so to speak. But then I had to ask students for feedback. Do you like this? Is it something that's helpful for you? Are you enjoying, oh, I love it. I can work out and I can accomplish the task or I can go on a walk and I can go on a run or a jog and I can mm -hmm. accomplish this. You know, fewer, a few people said they didn't like it. So if it's all podcasts, then 
that doesn't no. work as well. But if it's three or four sprinkled in, yeah, it's something a little bit different. And then it's a Netflix documentary, three or four of those. And then maybe it's a feature film. And mm -hmm. so I always, I mean, in the course design, I look at it as a blend. Yeah. And I'm constantly asking for that feedback. And I don't agree with all of it. And I don't change because of some yeah. of it. But it's data. And I it informs the next iteration, right? I can't, I can't imagine being a curious person and not want feedback. Yeah. That's because, it, well, there's always a price to curiosity. Uh, some things don't work and they like yes. a, <laughs> like a big wet fish, they slap you across the face. <laughs> and my hypothesis or my conjecture, uh, to pitch the book a little bit, my conjecture is that, uh, some of us as academic persons, are reluctant to, for that kind of feedback because mm. we we don't want to be hurt. We don't want to yeah. be shamed even. Yep. Uh, There's the probably more psychology than that, but the, it, it's just a matter of degree as to who, how far out into that mixing and blending and trying things one will go. Now, probably you've heard the same feedback from some faculty as I used to, which is, Dave, you spend too much time. Mm. Your courses are too complex. You know, I was the first one to try the different uh, learning system platforms that were coming out and all that and trying to integrate them, constantly integrate them. And you don't have time for the, for, this is one quote that I can almost be sure of. Yeah. You have so much, you put so much time into your teaching that you do mm. not have enough time to publish. Mm. And I was at a school <laughs> where we were looking for ACSP certification for like 30 years. So, yeah, of yeah. course, they wanted publications and I had some, but that wasn't why I was there. That wasn't what why I get up every morning enthused about driving 32 miles to get to school, particularly sure. in the winter. Yeah. And it was, it was, let, let's see how this works out Yes, at eight o'clock in the morning because I'm yes. going to try this and, and I'm adjusting that. So, yeah, I, I was uh, always the uh, rate buster, if you will, in mm -hmm. among cons more uh, cautious and conservative faculties across my whole career, not just in my last school. Yeah. And that's okay. Yep. I mean, I live with it. I, have you heard similar feedback from your colleagues over time? Well, I love being at the institution that I'm at because yeah. context values, matters. <laughs> yeah, it values, you know, classroom scholarship service. Mm -hmm. And then it, they also value me being out in the community. Oh, so yeah. My whole job is not writing papers. If it were, I, I wouldn't be in the profession. I, I, For me personally, I thrive on the blend. I thrive on the blend of being in the classroom, the consulting work, the writing, the podcasting, and the other aspects and, and some of the service aspects that I have going on, I absolutely get fired up about. But if it wasn't that blend, if it was any just one of those things, mm -hmm. then for me, I wouldn't be fueled the way I am. Mm -hmm. So uh, I have heard that um, I love the writing. I, I It took me a long time to figure out the type of writing there where I go. thrive. And once I figured that out a little more closely, 
then I kind of locked in, but mm-hmm. it's, I, I, it's hard for me to give a class to someone that's never taught it because to your point, there's a lot of moving parts. There's a lot of just tacit knowledge of what works and what doesn't and how to enter this space, how to yeah. set the tone here, how to uh, give a cautionary, you know, comment to the students. Mm-hmm. So they expect that this might go wrong. <laughs> like, mm-hmm. I know. Mm-hmm. And so that can be very difficult to just pass off a class because the person I'm passing it off to is like, you know, where are the, you know, the slides and the lecture notes and <laughs> what book are you using? And I'm like, well, you know, there the are test? no slides. Yeah. <laughs> there's, you know, there's a canvas website that has a bunch going on. Yeah. And let me sit down with you for a couple hours and explain how this works. Yeah. But um, yes, what I do, what resonates for me, Dave, is that um, the shadow of that curiosity and the shadow of really, really trying to create unique learning experiences is that, you know, I'll break. I have an event coming up this spring where we have 60 alumni from our MBA program coming back to watch presentations. Now that evening is just going to be incredible to see 60 of our alums who have been invited. They said, yes, on a Friday night, I want to come and watch current MBA presentations and they want to be there. They want to participate. And that's, that's, that's going to be incredible. And, you know, just like podcasting, it takes time to recruit 60. So I'm not just, I'm, I'm creating a monster for myself oftentimes because (laughs) I'm not just walking in, turning on the computer, showing some slides and then leaving after 50 minutes and not thinking about it again. I put things into motion with so many moving parts that sometimes you know, I wear myself out. Oh, yeah. <laughs> a terrible boss. Well, yeah, we're, I think we should both congratulate ourselves as we are doing right now. But I also think there were times that I will admit that uh, I had the pain shooting up the arm kind of thing. Like, what have I done? And I yeah. oh, I yeah. overextended. And then yes. I fortunately have a spouse who's known me since the fifth grade who knows when I'm getting that close. Yes. To... Uh, doing too much and saying yes to too much. And and then she uh, reminds me that I should have a head the size of my hat, you know, come on, just calm down, take it easy. Yeah. So the shadow of that curiosity can be, again, everything's always changing. It's always new. It's more work. It's more learning. It's, there's, it's never just locked into place. No, but again, I wouldn't want to be that professor, so to speak. The certain things are still locked into place, but you know, it's again, I view these courses as a blend and as a recipe almost. And is right. the recipe yielding the taste or the results that I hope it will? I always tell students, I hope this is the best class you've ever taken. Yeah. Ever of any grade at any level. I hope this is the best. If it's yeah. not, and it won't be for some of you, help me get there. I, I want your feedback. You can't hurt my feelings. I just want <laughs> people to leave this class feeling like it was an incredible experience. That's my goal. And wow. please that... help me get there so that we can provide students with a great learning experience that that ultimately prepares them to better serve in leadership roles, right? That's what I'm well, passionate that, about. That's it's the the outcome of the outcome of the outcome is the <laughs> is those 16 alums who are coming back. Yeah. And uh to hear uh directly from them 
how they've continued to navigate um or at least paddle down the white water as peter would say yes uh it's very gratifying because they can attribute some of the reason that they have stopped and thought and done something differently to some moment that you created in the classroom or i did mm, exactly but and why then, but but i'm sorry to break the flow here but i i think we are we are we're outliers in doing what we're doing right now mm. and i have always had this sense of righteous not indignation but righteousness sometimes i i've known many very smart very articulate colleagues who I have, I said, would be great as guests, but also as podcasters. Why? Why do I believe that? Mm. Because in our field in particular, mm -hmm. we're very conversational. Yeah. I mean, and I suppose that would be true of even in the more, uh, in the STEM side, oh, conversational. Sure. But, but we, because of our keen interest in human behavior and and as they behave in or in as organizations we do an awful lot of talking and listening mm -hmm. and what i have found in in my podcasting is it's different than yours you have very your focus is to find people who have done a lot of thinking and writing and talking about leadership mm -hmm. and i think that's so needed mm-hmm what happened to me as I broke out is that when Peter and I chose something as large as practice, but something that's not well known yes. as such, I could talk to anyone yes. in these podcasts. <laughs> and I have. Yes. Honestly. You uh, have. Uh, and, and so it's different in that regard. But what is the same in every case for me, for my podcast, is I was asked this by a, um, a woman who had been a corporate manager and then has now retired and become a very good painter. And she said to me once, Kate Emery, who's been on my podcast twice, once when she was a corporate person and now that she's a painter oh, and she great. said what 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 are you finding out about uh doing these podcasts because you're doing with so different many people what what are you, what's your focus and i said that's exactly what it is it's focus mm. and for 30 minutes or so i have someone who's had a whole life behind him and a whole life ahead of him and i'm giving that of uh, my listeners a very Almost like a, uh, not not even a portrait. It would be more like uh, a not a caricature either. Mm. A quick sketch. Yeah, yeah. Sort of outlining some of their features. Yeah. The way uh, someone who would do that uh, before they start a big painting. Yeah. And what comes through is a different visage every time. Even people I thought I knew very well, like I'm getting to know you. Something yeah. new comes out there. Yeah. Now we're back to discovery and curiosity again. And then after we turn off the recording, I'm sure you've heard this. They say, geez, I didn't even know I thought that. Yeah. Yes. <laughs> it's, not, it's not like I drag something out of them. It, we, we were engaged. We're having some give and take. And yes. uh, it, and so I, I am a sort of a sketch artist. And, and I think you have more. You have a lot, I hate to say this about myself, but you have a great deal more depth mm. of what you're accomplishing in yours. You mentioned that you'll be talking to 
colleagues in New Zealand who have observed a very historic moment in the, in the life of a leader, mm -hmm. uh, the prime minister. Yeah. And that's serious stuff. Yes. Yeah. So what, why are you in more uh, channeled in that direction, Scott? Well, I wouldn't, I wouldn't say it's any more. I don't think, I think it's just different from what your focus is. And it's, it's my passion. The I just have jet fuel for this topic of how do we better prepare people to serve in these roles that whether it's Jacinda Ardern or the president of the fraternity on campus at mm -hmm. 2 a.m. on a Friday night, how do we better prepare them to be able to intervene skillfully, to do uh, well, to do that work, to help make it better? And mm -hmm. I don't know that we currently do that as well as we could. I don't think we have research that's suggesting that we're knocking it out of the park. And so that puzzle fascinates me. And so I view this, this whole adventure as a hunt. You know, what are those big pieces of mm -hmm. the puzzle? What are what are the the corner pieces and the and the the edge pieces and the central pieces? What are some of the big pieces of the puzzle? And sometimes I might be having a conversation with someone about humor and leadership. It might uh -huh. be a smaller piece, but that's potentially a piece if we're talking about charisma and attracting others and connecting with others. And the exactly. role of humor is, is a piece of the puzzle. Definitely. And so there's just that real, real intense passion for putting that into focus and better understanding. And it just so happens that the medium of talking with people about their work or their, their passion is a medium that I just absolutely love. It's, it's, it's better than reading a journal article. Now I will go read the journal article, but I want it to come to life. I want to talk with someone. I want to hear what they think was interesting about that work and why yeah. it was important. Yeah. And, and so it's, it's that kind of singular focus for the the question, how do we better prepare people to serve in these really challenging roles, regardless mm -hmm. of level? Mm -hmm. Because it's not easy and it's getting more and more complex as yeah. things like with Jacinda Ardern, the, the social media and the just toxic nature of communications, literally from anywhere in the world, literally from not even your people. Yeah. But it's just a it's a shift and we're going to lose great people who are saying what why would i subject myself to that and they're going to opt out of some of these very very important roles so why is it that that's you know, scary scary and true and oh. uh and thinking ahead of the implications of that anywhere in the world yes uh, it it basically opens those roles to yes uh the crazy folk and oh, who no, are willing could, to put up with it, or that just couldn't possibly happen in our country in our House of Representatives. Uh oh, 
<laughs> yeah, I, I get, I know. And, and, you know, and, and you're pragmatic realists. I don't care what side of the aisle you're on, but you mm-hmm. know, just those genuine pragmatic, like I want to do some good and work across the aisle and collaborate mm-hmm. and make things better. They become more and more of a rare bird and yeah. the narcissists and the individuals who, um, you know, will openly subject themselves to that in pursuit of power, you know, it, it, they emerge out of the woodwork. And so it's just so interesting to me, again, regardless of where you are on your, on the political spectrum, are we getting good, pragmatic, collaborative, level-headed individuals to work, to make things better? And unfortunately the, the context out there is not for the faint of heart not at all and <laughs> and so your work is not done right you you no. got you and even someone say well you're only teaching a, few, a hundred or so people a semester scott uh that's a tiny tiny drop in the bucket but mm-hmm. one thing that i have learned since i'm many years older than you is that one of those hundred 30 years from now is going to be in the absolute key moment mm. that turns things from from worse to better. Yes. You just don't know. So yeah. this notion, if I taught 50,000 people at the same time, that somehow that would move things, maybe, but only shortly. But that, that concentration that we get to have as teachers and we don't have thousands of listeners. I'd love to, but mm-hmm. the folks who are listening and regularly, we're changing yep. with them. Yep. They're hearing us change right in the middle of our conversation. They'll yes. hear us uh, see something and go, "Oh, I hadn't thought of that." Yeah. So we're 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 having influence on the few, but I believe in that uh, Pareto notion that twenty percent of any sample you're looking at can have uh, close to 80% of the impact. Mm. And so uh, that's where I think podcasting helps because it is, as your students said, a medium yes. that can, they can take anywhere. Yes, yes. And so and, at the beginning, of course, this spring, I had them listen to two episodes that I did with a younger leader. Her name is Sarah Safari. Oh, yeah. She's incredible. And, you know, to try and bring them in. And then they watched a Netflix documentary that she was in called Aftershock, which provided a visual and, ooh, okay, so this is leadership, huh? This is- And that and that could be me, says the person in the, yes. in, in the, yes. in, in the third row. <laughs> yes. she, she, she or he's looking at that and saying, well, why not me? Yes, uh, yes. So I think we're doing good work, Scott Allen. I'm going to keep podcasting. Are you? Uh, Of course. Of course. (laughs) You know, it has been, it's just been an absolute love. I mean, it's, there's probably seven or eight different benefits that, that really, as I reflect on, you know, it's built my network in a really, really nice way. Mm -hmm. It's, you know, I just, again, think of a, a wonderful scholar like Barbara Kellerman. I can send Barbara a note and say, hey, Barbara, we haven't talked for a while. What do you want to chat about? And she'll say, oh, 
let's talk about my person of the year, you know? And so she's going to come on maybe next week and, and we'll talk about what she's thinking about lately. And so from a network standpoint, just it's systematized my learning. I'm, I, every week I'm kind of having my butt kicked because it, well, I had the former president of Croatia, the first female president of Croatia. We've recorded the episode. I haven't published it yet, but literally a a student of mine last fall, she said, because I had a couple episodes. So she learned that I had a podcast Mm -hmm. and she said, Hey, I I know the former president of Croatia. Would you like to talk with her? And I said, yes. (laughs) (laughs) Oh no. (laughs) Yes. Yes. Please. So, you know, speaking with a a world leader, like of that, of that uh, kind of, role in that position and that level of authority. That was a fascinating conversation. And it came from a student. And it came from a student, right? And so whether it's practicing communication, whether it's it's led to writing projects with different people from around the world. So it's it's been a really wonderful and again, probably the the two largest factors are the curiosity and the curiosity for that question that I mentioned mentioned earlier is Mm -hmm. that uh, each week there's conversations to help kind of further the pursuit of some of that question. You never, you never know what's going to happen. I I certainly do. Yeah. Uh, The, the, the spontaneity is probably my big word. Mm -hmm. Uh, Yes. We certainly have been this time speaking though. You did have some, you had some items. Have you covered all five of your free thoughts? I think so. Yes. I mean, I built my network, systematized my learning, practicing communication and improv to your point just there. Mm-hmm. Right. I mean, some guests, mm-hmm. it's it's a really easy flowing conversation. Other guests, I'm pulling. <laughs> Other guests <laughs> want everything laid out. Other yeah, guests I was going to say, how many of them tell you, tell me everything <laughs> you're going to ask me in advance. Yes, exactly. <laughs> and I say, well, that's not my... <laughs> <laughs> and you know again it's it's i've built relationships and friendships so i'm about to jump on to a phone call with jonathan reams and and it's actually about a writing project but we didn't know one another before before I, the pandemic or before I, why you and i yes will keep on podcasting yes exactly 100 percent. there's so many wonderful components to it and again, to your point, it's four or five hours per episode to really mm-hmm. get it up and running. And but it's time well spent. It really is. And it's building my own expertise. Yes. Because I can kind of be dangerous in a number of different conversations. <laughs> it's right. I, I'm not an expert in yeah. you know uh transfer of training, like my guest from IU, but I know enough. And I've learned from one of the best in a little hour long shot. And it's given me enough to reconsider. Oh, okay. I need to be thinking about that. That's one of the puzzle pieces. So it is. And and, uh, I I know I'm going way over my time budget here, but that's okay. Because I think people have, have to understand that probably what characterizes both of us as teachers in the organization world Mm -hmm. is that we can cannot possibly know everything that no. anyone else we're talking with would know. <laughs> no. Not even close. But we're, Dave, we're, we're I generalists. Would have, 
I would have said, do you know about leadership, Scott? If you would have asked me that two and a half years ago, I would have said, yeah, I know a lot about leadership. Yeah. Well, now, yeah. I mean, it's completely, it's completely put me in a place of, wow, there's whole worlds that I need to better understand, yeah. whether that's adult development theory, diversity, yeah. equity, and inclusion, whether that's transfer of training. Back, that's mm-hmm. a whole world of a topic. Yeah. So yeah. we find the people who know something yes. about it. <laughs> we we get them on on the mic. Yeah. We end up learning a bit more about it. Yes. And then we spread that out to the world, but I yep. think that kind of service really mm-hmm. uh in the world of ideas is uh pretty damn satisfying. So I have to congratulate you with a big C. Congratulations on having 170 of these done and more to come. Yes, it's uh, it's an honor knowing you. Well, and and obviously the feeling is mutual. I mean, uh, again, we may have talked about this the first time, but you are modeling exactly how I would hope to be. Uh, you are no longer in the classroom, no. but your curiosity and you are having conversations and you are contributing and you are helping and you are teaching. And again, back to that kind of agility, you know, I, I think it's just, I, I have so much respect. I have so much respect. Uh, you have, you have provided a example of exactly what I would want to be doing right? When I'm no longer in the classroom, staying curious, engaging, and waking up every day with that purpose of, huh, how can I make things a little bit better and help people better understand what's going on, right? Right. Thank you. Thank you so much. It's truth. We'll do another one of these. We have to. (laughs) I'd like that. I'd like that. Thanks for listening to the Practice Podcast, where we discuss practice with a capital P. If you'd like to hear more, listen in on Spotify, Automatic, and Apple Podcasts, or go to inactionresearch.com slash podcast dash page. And if you'd like to learn more about social inaction and the nature of practice, head over to inactionresearch.com for more information. Thank you for supporting this show. We look forward to hearing from you soon. Oh, oh, how could I have forgotten? Our digital book on practice as a way of being is now available. You'll find it online at www.mylibrary.world. I worked on that book after Peter passed away, and I think you will find it a unique and very, very mobile reading experience since it's wherever your screen is in hand or at hand.